welcome to episode 173 of the NFL Scotland podcast. The Lions have won again! My name is Cameron Hobbs. I've never met a man more excited for the Lions winning than Cameron Hobbs. He'll be off to Michigan before we know it. My name is Paul Mitchell. What a week we had. The Saints didn't lose at the weekend. They lost on Thursday night again, just to get it out of the way, not to spoil things for me. And how about that Bills Patriots, the win game, as we're now going to call it. Yes, indeed. You've been you've been a pro in the win game for a number of years, I've been told, Mr. Mitchell. But um, <laughs> anyway, the, the jokes are on a high flying start. Um, I am severely under the weather this week, so I have a whiskey in front of me. I'm going to limit my talking, um, but we probably should then touch on the noise that's going to come my way. Let's get it out of the way. Uh, San Francisco cannot win in Seattle. Paul, you sent me a message early on Sunday night to say. I think you guys are in good shape here. This was just at the point where uh, George Kittle had, uh, like a cartoon, tippy-toed down the edge of the the pitch and managed to keep himself in bound to put the Niners ahead. And then they just thought, nah, we've scored enough points in the first half. Let's not bother, shall we? We've done enough and ultimately blew it once again. So lay it on, get it done, because then I can stop talking. Let's just talk Niners-Seahawks. Come on, cheap shots. There has to be some cheap shots. There has to be. Yeah, was we, 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 yeah, it was a good game. We wouldn't dream of cheap shotting you for that. I mean, your team were... Well, what, what's the technical term for it? Uh, bottlers, basically. Yeah, bottlers. I mean, Russell Wilson, I think, is now 16-4 and four against San Francisco. I, I mean, he probably owns half your franchise by now. Um, you, you just saw what you get from him. You saw the good, the bad, and the ugly all together. And Seattle, well, goodness knows... Um, if they're any good or not, they're they're just another one of these Jekyll and Hyde teams. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great play on the the fake punt as well. Like we, the Niners should have done way better. Brandon Ayuk's tackling approach was appalling, but ballsy play and and they executed it tremendously. Credit where it's due, it was great. Uh, well done to them. Sick to watch, but you got to appreciate it. Going for it that early in the game as well, nobody really saw that coming. So, um, fair play to them. Okay, fine. If that's it for that game, then we can move on. Uh, and I'm going to rest my throat. So I thought, you know, actually, it's it's hard with three, but I'm sure you can manage. But hang on a minute. What's that? Can you guys hear a funny noise there? Is that is that Big Ben? Oh, mama, I can hear you are crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hangman is coming down from the we couldn't get Big Ben, but we've got Johnny Bailey. Hi guys, I got in. Good evening. So, I'm not taking all the noise. I had to get this sorted. We did say to Johnny Well, for anyone that listens to the podcast regularly, Gordon and Johnny, back and forth, Johnny, our resident Steelers fan, um, there's been numerous comments made by Mr. McGuinness towards uh, Mr. Bailey here throughout the season. He's not been here to defend himself. So I am going to sit here quietly. I'm going to let you guys chat about it because the next game up is the Steelers-Ravens. Johnny, you must have enjoyed it, right? Yeah, it was great. It was uh, hard to get to don't, sleep. Don't actually. lie, it was a terrible game of football. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, don't don't take any of this nonsense. Just you, just speak, and we'll mute him. It's fine. <laughs> no, I thought it was a typical AFC North battle. Um, usually decided by a few points here or there. And uh, the big talking point, actually, I was going to ask you about Gordon, was the decision to go for the two point conversion at the end. So um, I I loved it anyway because. There's no do. point playing for overtime. Yeah. <laughs> but the other, the reason Harbaugh gave after, afterwards is because the Ravens had like two healthy cornerbacks by the end of the game. Marlon Humphrey's now out for the year. Like they literally didn't have anyone. So if they'd lost the coin toss and the Steelers had gone downfield, they were going to lose. So you might as well go for it. And they were a, a better throw, better effort by Mark Andrews. Either of those two things, they probably won the game. So I have was, to, I've got to say, the, the the cornerback excuse is nothing more than an excuse. Why is it? You've an excuse? got safeties that can play cornerback. You've got 
linebackers that are white, you know, that can play corner. But these are professional athletes. They should be able to play more than one position. I'm sorry, that's garbage. Total excuse making for, I I, I totally agree with you. I like the two point call. I like the fact that that goes with the Ravens psyche and it's positive. But I'm sorry, you've got a better defense there as well than you think you have. If you if you if you're basically saying, I'm sorry, I'm going to let Ben Roethlisberger, he who has been utter garbage all season, uh, walk all over us here because we don't have any cornerbacks. I don't think that's showing much faith in your defense at all. And no, nah, I'm not having it. They, I, I like the fact they went for it, but I, I don't, don't make the cornerback excuse. Just say, look, we had a better chance of winning it. I don't understand why it's an excuse. Like, I, I would have been happy if they'd gone for it anyway. They might have gone for it anyway, regardless. But you can't, you can't put safeties at cornerback and expect you can. to win in the NFL. No, you can't. That, yes, that's you not, can. That is, it's professional football. In professional sport, if you want to win games, you don't play players out of position. Oh, garbage. Are, Kieran Tierney are. plays out of position for Arsenal and Scotland. He's a left back and he's playing left. He's playing centre back. It's garbage. He's playing left centre back in a back. He's played right back not, for Scotland and he's a left back. Oh, it's, it's total nonsense. It's an excuse. This, the, the best reason nonsense. for them to go for that was because they've got Lamar Jackson. And they should have run the the play call was wrong probably. No, the play, the play call was absolutely fine. Well, how can you say the play call was wrong? Because he can't throw the ball, and we all know that. That's why <laughs> you're you already own me a burger for this this year. The ball was right there. Mark Andrews, if he goes two hands, catches it. If Lamar throws it better, because Lamar's been terrible for like two months. Correct. So just give the ball to Lamar and run it in. That's it. That's I, I mean, I think do. I think that's what the offense should be going forward. But they they don't have cornerback depth. Like it's a completely valid reason. Okay, well, time for me to be the TJ. Hang on, nope. I'll be the voice. I'll be the voice of reason as as usual. Um, Gordon, you're spot on. He had to go for it. Two points. You're on the road. Divisional rival. Go for it and try and win the game. Absolutely spot on. No problem there. Play call. I actually think was correct as well. Uh, it goes with two hands. He gets it. I think there's wider problems for the Ravens. They had the ball for 36 and a half minutes compared to 23 and a half minutes. Um, that's simply not good enough not to be able to to rattle things down. Eight first eight out of sixteen on third down efficiency isn't particularly brilliant either. But they allowed seven sacks as well, which caused them problems. I just think Baltimore are a strange team at the moment. Um, Lamar Jackson isn't playing particularly well, but if you've got the ball for thirty six and a half minutes, the amount of possession that they had. They had to do better, and it shouldn't have actually been that close at the end. But the two-point play, correct call, the fact, and in the end, they didn't make it. The fact that they're 8-4, and four, given how badly Lamar's played for, I think, six or seven weeks. I think the Indianapolis game was the last game he was genuinely good. And given the fact that they've lost, like, eight key players this season. They've, they're, they're now down their top. They're now down their top three defensive backs. They're down their left tackle. They're down their running backs. The type of things that Charles Patterson makes excuses for when the Packers can't win Super Bowls, all those sorts of things. The fact they're 8-4, and four, like <laughs> I, I think they'll make the playoffs. They might win a playoff game. They're not going to win the Super Bowl because the only way you win a Super Bowl with the injuries they have just now is if your quarterback can play lights out and Lamar Jackson just isn't doing that just now. They've tried to evolve this season and I uh, th- this goes back to the burger bet, which you're going to win, quite rightly so. But they cannot throw the ball consistently enough to win the Super Bowl. And the reason that they were number one seed two seasons ago was because they drilled everyone into the ground and they set records rushing on the ground. And I know that they lost 17 running backs. That, but the see, reason see, that they are the good season, is when Lamar runs the ball. And the he's season, not, the season know, that, they, that they ran everyone into the ground, is that the same season that Lamar Jackson led the NFL in touchdown passes? That, well, that, but that's not, that was not why... But, that was not the reason that they got to the number one seed. They got to the number one seed no, because they, got the number they based one seed it around Lamar running Jackson the ball. Was unplayable. It was. It was not just the running game. That's it, the basis of a successful Baltimore offense. That's the bottom line. Charles is anyway. You can't base it around Lamar's throwing. <laughs> I've had enough of the Ravens, Johnny. Tell right, me why. So <laughs> why are the Steelers back? Tell me that. They're not back. They're a bit up and down. Um, it'd be good to get back. <laughs> Charles referred to Big Ben as an oil tanker a few <laughs> uh, podcasts ago. Um, just to tie in with, remember a few podcasts ago we were talking about uh, rookie quarterbacks and you advised that it takes quite a while for them to be good. I will remind you that in Big Ben's rookie season, he went 14-0. and mm. He did. 
He did with a very, very good with with an excellent defense and Jerome Bettis and Willie Parker too. I think so. um, Yeah, I think he was his rookie season was one of the more outstanding ones in recent memory, along with Dak Prescott. I don't, I don't. I mean, if you believe honestly that Pittsburgh are back, then you've been living in an alternative universe. No, this is this is and Johnny, this is the thing that makes me sick about this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to be here. You can go away. (laughs) These three have turned me into like the lone Pittsburgh apologist. (laughs) I was the only person to pick the Steelers to win this week at the live event at the start of the year. I said. I think the Steelers will be somewhere around 500 because good teams in the NFL know how to stay good and as much as they've got issues as much as Big Ben struggles they're a good organisation the, the Steelers are still a team that will float around and maybe be the number 7 seed in the AFC could win it they've got an opportunity. could win the division could win the division they can't, they can't win the division it's not, not can't it's not can't it's could. It's maybe unlikely. Okay, okay but we're, ta- we're talking. We're talking realistically. It'd be they bloody be funny the if they did. I'd have to say, <laughs> given how crap they've been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they could. Anyway, I hope we get to the at least the playoffs. Anyway, and Big Ben's. Well, it looks like his last season. So I, I hope the Steelers go into week seven, week eighteen. Sorry, um, or week seventeen, whatever, whatever week the week is, with a chance to go to the playoffs. Big Ben's final game in Baltimore, and I hope they get shut out and he <laughs> walks off the field in tears. What, no, what you really want, you really want them to be the first team in NFL history to go 8-8-1, eight, eight, and one, so they do finish 500, so you can gloat about it the following week. That's what you want. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. I'll take that. I, somebody answer me, is, is this the third or fourth final season for, for Ben Roethlisberger? It's like Aaron Rodgers' last seasons in Green Bay. It's just every single bloody year. <laughs> the only difference is that, um, Big Ben gets worse every year. Yeah. <laughs> um, are you? How do you feel about that, Johnny? If, is it time for Ben to hang up and retire? Is it time to move on? Or do you still see enough in him that you would like to continue? I think that it could be swan song this year. And we have a big decision to make next year. There's some rumblings that the Steelers don't want to draft a rookie quarterback. They want a, a veteran. So I would take Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. Join <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo because he's going to be available. James <laughs> Winston. James Winston will be there. <laughs> fair to, fair to, to say that you're not a believer in Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins then. No, they're, they're definitely not the future. Mason Rudolph is awful. Yeah. yeah, I think he's proved that in every chance he's had. But it'd be interesting if you go down the draft route and trade up, you could go for Kenny Pickett. I would take him. He looks really, really good, the pit quarterback. Yeah, plays college in the city slash state as well, so that'd be interesting. I, it, this is the type of year, though, as well, that if the Steelers do finish somewhere around about 500, like it's a weird quarterback class that, they might be able to take one in the first round, like Malik Willis from Liberty might slide a little bit, like Sam Howell from uh, North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina. All these guys, like no one seems to have any buzz as like a top five pick at this point. And you imagine one or two will rise up. I think there will be a couple that will be there around about the kind of teens. Can we talk about Kenny Pickett for a moment? If anybody saw the play that he made uh, at the weekend, the fake slide. Yes. Um, which, which, he, which he went for. Now, at the time, I thought that is an absolutely tremendous play, and it yeah. was in the no, context you, of the game. I know what you're going to say, and I'm going to be funny to this. <laughs> it, 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 is it going to threaten the quarterbacks going forward? Are, you know, no. Because basically, the, this is, this is what some people rule. are saying. That, 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 does the rule get changed? Are the quarterbacks going to get protected less? In the moment, I thought it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, but the question is: Does a quarterback get totaled by someone if they, if they, you know, if they go to slide now, somebody's just going to crack somebody? Is that everyone, the case, Gordon? You, you don't agree with that? Everyone who hates that fake slide that he did are the same people in this world that are okay with the Taunton rule this year. The people in this world who don't want to see celebrating and don't want to—it's not—it's not like a fake slide. He. he did like a little move like he was going to slide and then somehow managed to change direction it was that, subtle that gonna, it was subtle um, I loved it but it, I loved it I too loved it. it was subtle but it was enough to make the defenders question 
here's the thing they will change the rule because they will of course they will because they'll not even wait for it to happen and go wrong because we've seen this before it'll change and it'll be a shame he'll be the last guy to do it but it was a brilliant play I don't think there's any question around that at all I don't hate it I love it but I do think they'll change the rule I, I can't see anything else that's the rules committee for you <laughs> boar mongers absolute boar mongers um <laughs> We need to get into the chat because we'll chat about some other college stuff as well uh, about the belter and the bobag. Let's kick off with the belter conversation this week. There's not actually a huge amount of people nominated. However, up first is a nomination for Big Ben. comes from Kenny Law, not from Johnny. Um, He says, for stepping up when it mattered and driving the Steelers to a fourth quarter touchdown field goal touchdown for a win against the Ravens. Big Ben's back, baby. Um, Gary May gives one to Chris Godwin. Bucks reception record and a 30-point fantasy day without a touchdown. Cameron Christie gives it to the Cowboys defense. Four picks, although they weren't playing against a quarterback, uh, including a pick six and plenty sacks that won the game for the Cowboys. Then there's a couple for Dan Campbell. Chris Breen puts it. Had that last drive not succeeded, he would have been in the ball bag. But it did. The Lions won, and his post-game speech, including the game ball to the Oxford community, was high-class. Well played, Dan Campbell. Ian Meredith simply says, impossible not to feel happy for him getting his first win. There's a few other for the Detroit Lions in general. Mark McEwen, Ken Kerr, Long Callahan, Alex Beaton all give that. Alex says, was pleased for Jared Goff and Dan Campbell in getting the win. Goff hasn't shown much to suggest he's going to be a starting quarterback for too much longer, but I think he suffered badly from being in a bad team. Couple of nominations for Gardner Mishu. Chris McKay says 242 yards and two touchdowns on his return to action, filling in for Hurts. I know it's only the Jets, but a lot of people still expected him to balls it up. He's done quite the opposite and deserves a pat on the back. Couple of nominations for George Kittle. Dave Nichol says at best, is there anything more majestic than seeing this glorious man hit the burners and race down the field? His tippy-toe tuddy against the Seahawks would warm the soul of even the coldest cynic. I take exception to the word tuddy. That can fuck off. But the rest of that is a glorious sentence. I enjoyed reading it. Bunch of people nominating Jared Goff. Patrick Watson says, been rightfully criticised for his play and losing record with the Lions, but going by the footage of his girlfriend reacting to the Lions winning on social media, he wins every single week, even if the Lions lose. Fair enough. Not wrong. Yeah, he's not, not wrong. wrong. Uh, Ewan Chalmers gives one to Jonathan Taylor. Give him the MVP. Everyone knows the Colts are running and he still puts up the numbers every week. The Kansas City defence gets one from David Dryborough. Stepping up in the Chiefs' five-game win streak and proving to be the difference for them this season as the offence continues to struggle. If these defensive performances continue and the offence figures itself out, it'll be hard to see anybody beating the Chiefs down the stretch. Uh, Josh McDaniels gets one from Sean Breen. These days in football, everyone wants to see 100 passes a game, like Brady on Sunday. But it ain't. But if it ain't brick, jeez. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. The weather was horrendous in Buffalo, and he was not afraid to lo- run the ball thirty-two times in a row. Winning is winning. Hashtag number one seed. Uh, George Jackson gives it to the last five minutes of the Ravens Steelers game was dull, but for the most for the most part, but that last five minutes was edge of your seat belter. That's all the nominations, gentlemen. Uh, anyone that you want to back, or anyone else you want to add to the conversation. Bill Belichick and not so one he attempted three passes in an NFL game uh, he also in his pre-game press conference or interview wore a Navy face mask Navy obviously famous in college for throwing the ball about three times so he showed his hand he told the Bills he told Sean McDermott we're going to run the ball down your throat all game and they did and it's next level trolling to to go in and just be willing to only throw three passes or drop back to pass three times and run the ball 46. Great. Absolute shithousery, and I love every bit of it. <laughs> Mr. Patterson? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Paul? Well, I, mean, I was just going to say on that, I think the graphic on uh, Monday Night Football, I think the lowest is two passes attempted. I think there's been a two... There's been a four and a couple of fives. The Saints have been involved in one of them. The Jets and Bills have been involved in the others. But it was tremendous to watch. It was like watching Navy play. You know, I watch the Army-Navy game every year, and it's usually run, 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 run. And, you know, Belichick also, the the unusual thing he did at the end was actually smile 
when they won, which which you don't <laughs> don't see too often. In terms of my own nominations, Cameron, I, you know, Dan Campbell went for it fourth and one. I think they were on their thirty-five yard line. They were ahead at the time. You make that, they'll see the game out. I suspect you don't make it. The Vikings are going to score, and Dan Campbell had the balls to go for it. And I think when you're a winless team, you take the chance when the ball's in your hands to go and try and win the game. Now it failed. But I still liked the call. Uh, but my nomination is is Jared Goff. I think he's had one of these career drives at the end. I'm not sure he'd ever do it again. You wouldn't. He'd probably be one of the last quarterbacks in the league that you would actually say who could take you down the length of a field to score a touchdown with no timeouts. I mean, he'd probably be 30, 31st on that list. Um, so give him his moment in the sun. So I would go with Jared Goff. Fair enough. Charles? I would... Remember that it is the season of goodwill and you have to give a little to those who have nothing. So Detroit deserve They've not got given. nothing now. They've got a win. So they've, they've got, got something. something now, but <laughs> they had not they've still got the number one pick to cling on to. Um and I do hope for their sake that they then lose every other game so that they can keep that. I would like I think there's an honorable mention, and I don't know whether you caught this on Sunday night football. I think and this was this play was flagged, and I was for the first time in quite a while, I mean, I, I listened to you back and forth about the, the officials. I was mortified and really annoyed that this was flagged. The most outrageous block I've ever seen from Anthony Hitchens from the Kansas City Chiefs, taking out 315-pound Lloyd Cushenberry, the Denver Broncos centre. I think it was on the interception return, and it was like a truck hitting a concrete wall and bouncing off it. It was... I've never seen a block like it in the middle. And it happened right in the centre of the screen on the interception return. And as it happened, Chris Collinsworth yelled out in surprise. He went, well, that is going to be a flag. And it was that good a block. I don't think it should have been a flag. It was totally illegal, but it shouldn't have been a flag because it was that good. (laughs) So Anthony Hitchens, well done. Terrific. But... Ultimately, it's got to go to Jared Goff, I think. I mean, he's not going to win anything else. And he could be moved on. We've fallen that we're rewarding mediocrity because we got a win against the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, well, again, have get some Christmas spirit inside you. I know you're miserable. Johnny, what well, about for- you? Anyone that you need to add? Um, I agree with the Lions. Um, I had one myself um, for Minshew Mania. I don't know if you've seen his uh, attire pre-game, dressed as Top Gun. I yes, was, I saw that. That was, that yeah, was, that was class. It was very good. I'd, I thought the whole thing, I don't know if you've seen the footage as well from hugging his dad afterwards. Um, and the two of them are just celebrating. And it's just brilliant to see. He's not going to be the starting quarterback in Philadelphia. But he put up a performance. Um, and Dallas Goddard will be hoping he's the starting <laughs> quarterback because, good grief, Dallas benefited from it big time. Um, but, you know, the Eagles, it's an interesting one. What do the Eagles do now? Do they, if, if Hurts is fit, he comes back in. If Minshew gets the second game and plays really well, maybe it makes it a difficult conversation. Yeah, if, if Hurts plays poorly, he's now on a short leash. It's easier to make that change. Yeah, because he's not Nick he's Sudfeld. Seen. That's a whole other conversation that we've... <laughs> Nate, I think the... Nate, Nate Sudfeld, Nate, wasn't it? Nate Sudfeld, you're right. I, I don't care about his name. <laughs> He didn't care about throwing. Very good either. The problem with um, with Philadelphia and Hurts is the fact that they're basing their whole game plan around running the ball. And you know, can you continue to do that if you suddenly re- decide that he's not the guy? And do you have do, do you feel obliged to kind of throw the ball a bit more? They've got a terrific wide receiver in Devontae Smith, but they don't really look very good when he throws the ball. So I think it's an interesting one because Gardner Minshew, in my view, is more than capable of starting for probably half a dozen teams in the league towards the bottom end. But <laughs> that is that weird player that's going to bounce, probably like Fitzpatrick, is going to bounce around most teams in the NFL and he'll get like a two-year deal or he'll get a three-year deal and he'll get traded during that because he'll be that fringe starter. It's not good enough to stop you drafting a quarterback, but he's not bad enough that, you know, He's out the NFL. I, I think the other thing as well, he he throws the ball to running backs quite a lot. Yeah. So that can blend some of that running game stuff. Well. I, I would absolutely take Gardner Minshew as number two in San Francisco behind um, Trey Lance next year. 
I wouldn't even bat an eyelid at that. Garoppolo's not been that bad, by the way. No, last, no, no. Like, he's not been that bad. That's fine. Weeks. But he's not going to be there next. He's not going to be there next season. There's, there's no way. Um, let's not get started on this again. No, let's not. Let's not. This is boring. Yes. Okay, fine. So, um, in summary, I think that there's a lot of good nominations there. It doesn't feel right giving it to the Lions because... Ugh. Any objection to giving it to, to, to Jared Goff, though? No, no, no. You can't give it to Jared Goff. He's got nothing else to look forward to in his life. Seriously. I think Jared <laughs> well, Goff... Apart from got, his girlfriend. So, yeah, I was just going to say, I don't think we need to worry about what Jared Goff has got to look forward to in his life. Uh, just saying. Um, fine. Okay. I don't hear any major objection. So that's... Let's... He's raised his team and will raise a glass because Jared Goff, you are the Loch Lomond belter of the week. Onto the Bob Ag nomination then. And again, there's not necessarily a huge amount of different ones here. Uh, Antonio Brown gets a couple. Um, Mark McEwen says, we've not, had, we've not mentioned him in this category for a while. Um, but anyway, why else imagine, while I'll imagine this will be a popular entry, vaccination status, jiggery-pokery, NFL suspensions, will they have a backbone and do similar for other higher-profile players? You know who you are. Um, obviously, Antonio Brown's in the uh, yeah in the headlines once again. Uh, Sean Black gives it to the Arizona Cardinals social media team. Their recreation of the famous Michael Jordan I'm back message for Kyler's return was so cringe that it put them very high on my hated team list. Yep, just for that. I do enjoy the pettiness. That, they, that they, then, me. they then followed up with taking the... The, the, the bean, the yeah, bean, the bean. That's it, and turn it into an L. It was, it was dreadful. It, it didn't look right. like an L. It looked like a massive shiny phallic penis. I didn't add, add the word phallic penis because penises are phallic as they are. But I'm, it just, I'm, I'm trying to keep things clean for the family nature of this show. The family nature of this show, because this is yeah regular family listening. Um, it was rubbish. It was rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Reese Nunes gives it to Will Belichick. Uh, just have the good grace and lose and be a bad team. I cannot face losing to the Patriots this season. Must be lovely for him proving to people how good he is. But let's be honest, we all knew. Why couldn't he just fade away like Pete Carroll? Why do I have to see them doing well with only a handful of pass attempts? I'm sick of why and bloody Brady. Anyway, right. Um, that, um, that nomination's automatic ball bag territory in itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You can't, you don't be bitter. Just admire the... That's, that's like... That's like when people uh, when people write in that their their nomination for Bob Ag is the guy who messed up their fantasy team this week. Yeah. Like, I'm not, <laughs> not, not, not excited. <laughs> uh, Christopher Oldroyd, Gerald Everett, did you see his performance? That's all he says. Um, David Dreiber gives one to the Houston Texans offense. Uh, uh, only having one possession the entire game that even made it into Colts territory. Even for a team that's coming into the season, knew it was a write-off. Stats like these do not give much hope for that next season will be any different. Chris Breen gives one to the Jags. Um, I could give a list from top to bottom, but the organization is rotten. But I do want to highlight the taking off players for mistakes like Robinson and Hyde after fumbles and then disappearing for most of the game. I know it's popular to do in college when you have 83 running backs on the roster, but this is the NFL, and you're only hurting your team. An interesting point. Uh, Noel Davidson gives it to the Jets Eagles referees. Just awful. Do I really need to say more? Missed roughing the passer, phantom DPI call, etc., etc. Dave Nickel gives one to Jimmy Garoppolo. He's been in the league long enough to have ironed out the mistakes that seem to litter his play. Some of the throws he makes are puzzling. His accuracy remains an issue. He's exposing the receivers to injuries as they contort themselves to catch his throws. Jimmy Garoppolo's problem is not that he's not good. It's that everyone thought he was better because he was with Belichick. The quarterback he is is fine. Yeah, like it's just people had expectations that were way beyond that, and he can never reach those. He he also set ridiculously high expectations when he arrived in San Francisco and won his first six or seven games, and then he got signed to a one hundred and something ridiculous million dollar deal. So, <laughs> not, that was that was a great bit of business. Fault. That not his fault. Someone wanted to pay him a lot of money. Correct. A couple of nominations here for John Harbaugh. Tony Brewerton and Martin Blair both for going for two, while Ken Kerr decides to opt for Mark Andrews over Harbaugh purely because of Harbaugh's explanation. He gives it to Andrews for the drop. 
Mike Zimmer gets a couple of nominations. Uh, Jonathan Donaghy says, time to go. This squad is too good to waste on him. Phil Spears gives it to Monday Night Football. I'm so tired today. Phil is a Bills fan. I'm so tired today. Can someone have a word with America regarding their clocks? Cheers. Appreciated. Could have been a lot worse. Chris McKay gives it to Mac Jones. Three attempts for two completions, yet the Chiefs still, uh, yet the Pats still managed to win. Like we needed any more reason to hate them. Grr. You can't give it to Mac Jones. No, it's just patriot hate. I listen. I've I love the pettiness. I love I've the got, pettiness. I've got five Pathetic. of these nominations that are worthy of Bob Ag nominations themselves. <laughs> um, hang on, there's a couple. Them, of just send them some pants so they can wear them on their heads and shame. <laughs> um, so Patrick Wilson gives his to Sean Payton. Payton has declared that if Taysom Hill was available in a trade, there would be 31 other NFL teams interested. Can the NFL get Payton drug tested immediately, as he's clearly on something to come out with that statement? By the way, he is heralded in some parts of the media. You would think his offense would be better ranked than the New York Jets. Is he a glorified Mike McCarthy? Not for me to say, but it might trigger Paul, so worth bringing up. <laughs> I like I like this. I love this nomination because it, I was about to bring up um, my nomination for this week um, with an honourable mention to uh, the Vikings, which I was absolutely wetting myself watching them lose that game. Well, listen, the Vikings get a bunch uh, of nominations. So oh, yeah. There's, there's well, little... <laughs> um, my, my nomination was for a certain P. Mitchell for thinking that the, the, the Saints would be able to move on in a positive light after Jameis got injured. Now, we've discussed this again and again and again, and they were 5-2 and two when poor Jameis went down with his cruciate ligament injury and was dancing in the locker room with his crutches. And since then, they've lost five straight for the first time since Sean Payton took over. Five. Number Charles. one, two, three, four, Charles. five. Charles, I'm sorry. Shocker. We, we talked about this early in the year. We talked yeah. about the things Jameis is good at, and we were told... Unlike us, Paul has watched every snap of the Saints this year. So unfortunately, <laughs> we just need to accept that Jameis, Jameis clearly wasn't good enough and it's just bad luck that there's the reason why they've watched yeah, them. I, think, I, mean, I think Paul having to watch every snap of the Saints this year is punishment <laughs> enough, to be honest now. Uh, and I don't know right. that a Bob Ag nomination on top is going to do him any favours. <laughs> All right, guys. A Bob Ag's a lot of you. Let, let's go through it. Saints are the most injured team in the NFL. Oh! Oh, God. Oh, God. Stop. Six of their 11 projected starters were out against Dallas. We don't have our best running back. One of those, James Winston. <laughs> we don't have our best running back. We don't have our best wide receiver. We don't have our left tackle. Our offensive line and defensive line are both mauled. There is no way. The Saints are not the team the Saints expected to be. It really is that simple. Now, if you want to talk about uh, Taysom Hill, he injured his finger the other night. You know, everything's gone against the Saints. Now, I, I agree that he is not the long-term solution at quarterback. I'd like to see him play it just so we can get through that. Would every other team like to have him? Yes, but not as a quarterback, I would suspect. It's what interesting. What, one, of the, one of the Saints podcasts I listen to basically are saying, you know, you could criticise the Saints' performance from, you know, from, from now till doomsday, it doesn't matter. It's not the Saints team that we expected to see at the start of the season. Now, yes, Winston was 5-2, and two, but Winston wouldn't have kept winning without the running back, the wide receiver, the left tackle, the O-line, and the D-line. It simply wouldn't have happened. The Saints are a dumpster fire in terms of injury. Should Winston get another chance? That's the question in New Orleans, and at the moment, should, should it's looking... It, it is, but it is a question. Shouldn't be. You know, they're looking to see... Yes. <laughs> Who else is available? See, I, I think the answer is no. I'd rather we moved on from him. Based on what? Based on what? He has not done anything to, to, to justify that at God, all. It's like, it's like living at home and trying to finish my sentences. It depends <laughs> on who is available. If somebody like Russell Wilson becomes available, you go and take him. It really is that simple. If Aaron Rodgers decides he wants to leave Green Bay, you go and try and get him. Jameis might return next year. I certainly think they'll bring him in to at least compete. But if they can get what I would call is a top-tier starter, he's not going to be. I think that's a fair argument. I think to say, if Russell Wilson's available, we move on from Jameis Winston. I can't argue with that. That's fair. That's perfect. Russell Wilson has done nothing this season to prove to me that he is that much better at the moment than Jameis Winston. That's, Do you really want Russell Wilson's ego in New Orleans? I'm not sure you do, oh, to be honest. Do you really want Aaron Rodgers' ego? <laughs> I need to join the queue for Wilson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if, if, 
<laughs> if we're going to if we're going to talk about you know people, the, the best thing that happened in New Orleans this week was Brian Kelly, who's from the north, going down for his press conference to be the coach of LSU and suddenly adopting a southern accent. If you've not heard that yet, it is utter bobaggery of the very, highest nature. Very Steve McLaren. Yeah, it was it, it <laughs> was I- utterly brilliant. So we're we're talking about Bobag's camera, and I I came across a, a Twitter site that I hadn't seen before called the Surrender Index. Has anybody seen this? Oh, yes. Surrender Index is great. Now, this is brilliant. So my Bob Ag nomination goes to Joe Judge of the New York Giants, who keeps apparently saying every week, I've seen a lot to be pleased about. The Giants decided to punt to Miami from the Miami 46 on the fourth and second with 5.03 remaining in the third while losing. With a surrender index of 20.87, this punt ranks at the 98th percentile of cowardly punts of the 2021 season and the 96th percentile of all punts since 1999. Uh, They deem decisions cowardly um, if basically you've got more of a chance of actually making the four and two and, you know, getting some distance here. That's tremendous. Can we just rewind back to when Paul was talking about how his poor injured Saints, this, that, and the next thing. The Saints aren't any more injured than the Ravens are, and the Ravens are 8-4. Or the Niners. Or the Packers. Or the, or the, Packers. Or the Steelers. Yes, they are. The Packers. I'm not going to argue with you because I'm right, but let, let's talk about Joe Judge and the punt. It was bad. It was bad. It was bad. Moving yeah, on. It was bad. <laughs> Um, there's only a couple more nominations here uh, Teddy Bridgewater gets one from Ross Sterling for his laughable shoulder tackle on Dirty Dan after being intercept- intercepted obviously trying to avoid taking further penalties after dodging a tackle earlier in the year could easily have stopped the pick six and kept the game close either hit him or get the hell out of the way don't half arse it um, and don't try t- and save face uh, every other nomination is pretty much for the Vikings uh, different elements, you know, the Vikings, says Reese Evans, for losing to the Detroit Lions. Uh, Gary May says, Ugh, typical Vikings performance to give the Lions the W. Uh, the, the the Vikings defense gets a couple. Ian Meredith, prevent defense in the end zone? Shake my head. Um, George Jackson says, the Vikings, of course, you lost to the Lions. Bobags, doesn't matter if they were good. Bobags, doesn't matter whatever excuse you pull out. Bobags, you lost to the Lions. Bobags. Bags. P.S. Well done to the Lions. The only other one nomination is from Damon O'Connor, who gives it to the wind in Buffalo. I think I completed more passes than Mac Jones last night, and I was looking forward to that game beforehand. This this is great. This is the right this is the right call. So everyone got excited. Oh, we love a we love a bad weather game. We love a snow game. We love this. Understand where this viewpoint comes from. Guarantee you, every time we all sit down to watch those games, the fifteen minutes before the game, it's going to be great. The first 10 minutes of the game, oh, this is really fun. It's never an exciting game of football. It's always just loads of runs, players moving at half speed because they're trudging through the snow. Same with high wind games. As much as it's not you know, the enjoyable thing or the, the fashionable thing to say, dome games and fair weather games or games where there's not a lot, it's generally just better games of football. Don't diss snow games. Lambo lives for snow games. I snow games think are great. a snow I don't game. Th- so I'm just going to jump in. A snow game and a bad weather game makes a bad game interesting. What that did was take an interesting game and make it bad. And I think that's where. So if you've got Jags Texans and you play it in the snow, which is quite some scenario for that to happen, by the way, but whatever, let's go with it. Jags Texans played in the snow. Oh, brilliant! Jags Texans played in the snow. This will be a laugh. I don't want to see Bills Patriots because it was relevant. Uh, and there's question marks about, are the Pats back? Can the Bills bounce back? They've had a bit of a wobble. And it denied us an actual mm. contest on Monday Night Football that was after... Cameron, that is your best take of the season so far. It, that's <laughs> such a good take that I'm not going to nominate you for a ball bag for missing last week's pod and then slagging me off. Like I'm not going to nominate you now for that. On the subject of the nomination of the wind... Is that actually possible? Because the wind is not a tent. It's not a physical entity. So <laughs> how my nomination and to Charles? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for using entity on the um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. 
<laughs> but but ni- neither is the, the Texans' offense, you know, something that you can quantify very easily. Uh, I don't know what was funnier this week, and, you know, you could vote on it. England losing a wicket with the first ball or the Texans throwing an interception on the first play. Um, bo- both were very amusing. Both just as lightly as the other. Yeah, yeah. So, any other nominate? So, who's your nomination for Belt then? Uh, let's go through them properly. Uh, Paul, are you giving it to Joe Judge? Absolutely, absolutely. I think, you know, bad, bad teams, you've got to have a little bit more swagger than that. Gordon? Sean McDermott. So, post-game, the biggest example of sour grapes we've seen so far this season was talking about how we shouldn't give too much credit to Bill Belichick. We don't need to give him more credit than he's due. All those things. Lose with a bit of dignity. It's fair. Absolutely yeah. fair. Uh, Charles? Absolutely. I'm, I'm just giving it to the Vikings because they're in the NFC North and they were inept and anything to pile on anyone, frankly. I, I mean, we've given it to Detroit because I feel sorry for Detroit. I admire the Vikings and I hate the Bears. But this week, I've got to laugh at the Vikings. So anyone remotely connected to Minnesota? Fair. Johnny, <laughs> anyone that you want to add to the conversation here? I agree with the Vikings. and Let's, uh, let's hope they continue this on to Thursday night as well. <laughs> they could well there's a lot of players Dalvin Cook questionable uh, Adam Thielen out oof to oof I tell you the Steelers are winning the division man um, okay um, Jefferson's only been the shining light he went, I think he went for 182 yards yeah against the Lions an absolute monster he continues to be um, yeah. truly truly is um, I, I don't know if there's anyone that I'm going to I'm I don't know that there's yeah I don't know that there's anyone that I want to add to the conversation. The Vikings feels such an easy choice though. It just is like and the two point thing I don't disagree with it. I don't know that even that Andrews was that bad. He was going for it. He's proven himself to be a good player. And Andrews wasn't the if if you're blaming if one player is getting most of the blame for that it was Lamar. Yeah. Uh, like I think I think um, Mark Andrews could have done a better job, but the throw wasn't. Great. I, 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 I think it's like, TJ Watt got in the way. You've got to give him yeah, credit D- as well. Yeah, yeah. TJ Watt did really well. The whole thing, it was like, so someone, I saw someone tweet the day after the game, is that game came down to a two-point conversion where you had a defensive player of the year candidate uh, getting pressure on Lamar Jackson. You had a former NFL MVP in Lamar Jackson trying to complete a pass and an all-pro tight end trying to get the ball. And it came down to, you know, a few inches away from being a catch. That that you know, as someone said earlier for nominating the final five minutes of that game as a belter, it, that was what, you know, you want football games to be. So Yep, absolutely. Um it's got it's, I'm just gonna go with the unanimous and it's the Vikings. The general Vikings. Um, I don't like giving it to an entire team is the only thing. So will we give it to Mike Zimmer? Yes. Right, fine. And his in, his entire defensive game plan in the last yes. 87 he, seconds. He's or also been in the news for his girlfriend. So, you know, if Goff can, and his girlfriend can get the belter, then Mike Zimmer and your girlfriend, you are the Bobags, Bobag of the week. You lost to the Lions, man. You, the talent you've got on that team, disgraceful. Right. I, didn't, I didn't think she lost to the Lions, to be fair. No, she didn't. It Mind you, she might have called the plays a little bit better on defense, but yeah, I think yeah, I'm I'm glad you've made that distinction because you've actually got to give you know Kirk Cousins did his job to get them in the end zone to get them ahead, and their defense was woeful. Time to pick our winners of our prizes then, uh, and I am going to turn this over to our guest this week to pick both. So Johnny, first of all, we need you to pick a number between one and thirty for the belter. Uh, winner who will get a bottle of NFL Scotland Loch Lomond whiskey and two glasses. Oh, well, uh, no surprises. I'll go for number seven. Lucky number seven. Number seven. Congratulations. I, I know I did as well. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations to Dave Nickel, who has come out as the winner as number seven this week. Uh, and then the same again for the ball bags, ball bag. One to it's thirty, be, Johnny. It's got to be Mason Rudolph's number, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> number eight. 
Number oh, eight. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, if shit. nothing else, I applaud the shit. Yeah, he's, he's, try, he's trying to get another invite back on one day. <laughs> he's going the right way. So, Martin Blair, congratulations to you. You are the winner of a pair of Bob Ags underwear. We'll be in touch with both winners to find out uh, their addresses. We'll get those out. If you check our social media account, you'll see there's a whole load of bottles of whiskey have just landed. Uh, Jamie Gillen has received his, the Scottish Hammer. Um, Lawrence Tynes has had his. Um, you know, the, the bottles are making it all the way out there. Jim Ballard, part of the podcast team, has received his as well. So uh, Jamie, unfortunately, not on social media at the moment, so can't share his photos, but got a message off him very early this morning to say it's been received. So we hope the Scottish Hammer can sit in enjoy a wee dram at some point uh, in the run up to Christmas okay on to week 14 gentlemen what are your headlines what are you looking forward to I'm a bit concerned for uh, the Browns now that Jamie Gillen's got his whiskey because they're going up against Baltimore at the weekend so I wouldn't if if, the, if Cleveland want to win the game they better not have to punt <laughs> oh, I suspect I suspect, given the state of the Ravens' defensive backfield, they're not going to have to punt that much. This is not a game. <laughs> yeah, but, is this is this like the, um, the the opposite of the unstoppable force meets the immovable object, as opposed to the non-existent force meets the quarterback who can't throw? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, get to, you get to test out how, how bad does the defensive backfield need to be before Baker Mayfield can complete a pass. <laughs> Probably this bad. Steelers, Steelers are winning the division, by the way. Steelers are winning the division. I, I, think, I think the Bengals will probably win the division at this point. Uh, the Bengals haven't really. I, I don't know. It's actually, to know what to make of them really at the moment. I, I, I'm I'm furious with myself now. I meant to nominate the Bengals again because the same thing they did when they beat the Ravens. They went against the Jets and absolutely shat the bed. They then dominated the Steelers and then went against the Chargers and absolutely shat the bed. They, they shat but, the bed and then made cleaned the bed up and then shat it again. I they double <laughs> shat the bed is the thing for me because what they did was they they truly shat it at the beginning, but they went away and they sorted it out and they go back. And then they did it again. It was I. It was two catastrophic collapses in a single game. It's actually a great show. I I, I can't believe I forgot about that as well. I, the, the Bengals absolutely should have been in that Bobak conversation. Still you need to be careful. It, you need to be very careful because oh, who they playing this they're weekend? Going to destroy. And you talk about no cornerbacks. We've played the whole season without cornerbacks. It's magnificent. <laughs> it's a thrill a minute. Oh, every game's a joy. No, I tell you what, there are some absolutely sensational games, games on the on the on the schedule yeah. this week. So you got Rams Cardinals Monday night football, which is that is your number one seed up for grabs there. I mean if the Cardinals win, I think they'll win the number one seed in the NFC. You've got Bills Buccaneers. Um you've got well, Chicago Green Bay is historically an amazing game, but it's like it's like it's like anything else at Christmas. It's the, one of the inevitable things you see at Christmas is diehards on the telly. Santa delivers your presents, and Green Bay beat the, the Bears. So that one, you know what's going to happen. And then you've got these brilliant games, which are playoff games, which are essentially you know the Niners, the Niners Bengals, and the, the Ravens Browns. These are games that are and the Raiders Chiefs as well. These are games that are playoff seeding games or teams that are on the brink that need to win. Yep. The, the so, Raiders and the, the Raiders and the Browns. If they don't win those games, you're out of the divisional race. Effectively, the other one I love is Cowboys Washington because Washington won four in a row. And what do we make of Dallas? Nobody really knows. And I can see Washington doing a number on Dallas, and they play them again in two or three weeks' time. Washington could win the division because the rest of their um, the rest of their fixture schedule is essentially the NFC East. It's funny that that's happened. That happened last year. I, have I missed this? Is this the norm? It's not the it norm, is. is it? Is it? See, seasons, they, they, they've started pushing like at least three divisional games towards the end. They've done it even more, though, have been pushed. So the Ravens played the Browns, then the Steelers, uh, and then the Browns again. The Bears were somewhere in the middle there. And then there's still three divisional games to go. Like most divisional games have been pushed to the back end. It's 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 interesting. Like it really had. It, it, again, it just feels like there is so much to go in the NFC East. It feels <laughs> utterly wide open. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. You know, the the Browns have still got to play the Ravens, the Bengals, and the Steelers. So it's it, yeah, fascinating. The Cleveland Browns and Baltimore Ravens uh, technically have the hardest remaining schedule to see out the the season as well. You know, you've got Cleveland at one, Baltimore at two, Cincinnati at six, um, 
and then I'm just trying to see where Pittsburgh at four. So you know, you look at that strength of schedule, and the the four teams in the AFC North have the have sorry the four teams in the AFC North make up four of the top six positions in that rank. It's quite something. It's quite, but that's because they're all playing each other. Yes. And yeah, yeah. There's no one in that division with a losing record. And it's wide open. Uh, and the Steelers are going to win the division. So, you know, it, it's it's fascinating. It's fascinating all the way through. The, by the way, the easiest is the Tennessee Titans, uh, who, who have the San Francisco 49ers as one of the hard opponents. So even that's questionable. Um, it depends on the, which San Francisco the, turns up. The Titans need to use the Jaguars this week, though, as the get-right game. Because they've not looked good since Henry went out. Ryan Tannehill hasn't looked good since Henry went out. You're you're getting to the point now whereby uh, you know the Colts very likely look like the team that are going to win that division, and the Titans don't want to be the team that limp into the playoffs. Indeed, it's fascinating all the way around on this one. Um, oh, you're looking forward to the the Saints against the Jets. Yeah, having said I've watched almost every snap of the Saints, I'm not really tempted by that particular game. It has to be said, we're getting to that part of the season where there's usually a couple of stinkers on the card that doesn't actually mean a great deal. That's certainly, I think, one of the worst games of the weekend. I think even Atlanta Carolina's got something about it. Uh, I'm slightly surprised Sunday night football went for Chicago Green Bay, given the fact that Green Bay normally... You know, a hammer. I Wait, just a, a, a wee word. Ratings guarantee that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's ratings guaranteed. It's just plus, not plus I think, a great it, game. It is now, it's now Justin Fields, Aaron Rodgers. So that this is the reason why they put this on Sunday Night Football late in the year was because they wanted Justin Fields, Aaron Rodgers, and he's fit. Well, they're certainly going to see it. I actually think that the, the winners this year have been Monday Night Football schedulers. I think they've done a, a heck of a job getting, you know, some of the games. Now, a lot of that just come down to a little bit of luck, but you know, to get the Rams, Arizona. Uh, for Monday night football is pretty good. You know, they got the Bills, Patriots was, a, you know, wasn't a compelling game in the end, but I mean, it was, you know, the contest and the story was there. So yeah, they've they've done some good stuff. That Dallas-Washington game is quite an interesting one as well, because normally that's a primetime game and it's going to be a six o'clock game our time. I think it'll be an interesting one to see um, Baltimore-Cleveland at six o'clock is another Another pretty interesting, pretty interesting game. So there's some there's some good stuff around this week. There definitely is um, plenty to keep an eye on. I think that the the Browns Ravens for me is the most interesting one. I it, it definitely is. That's the one I want to see how it pans out. And to get that at the six o'clock window is great. I think that it's a standout game. I mean, the Chiefs Raiders. It's it's unique to get. Uh, although we've said this already this season, but it's it is unusual to get an AFC West game that early in the day uh, and I, I fear it may steal some of the thunder but really that you know Browns Ravens Chiefs Raiders Washington Cowboys that's they're parlour games absolutely um, but the, pro- the problem with the Browns Ravens game is it could be a really ugly game to watch yep. really horrible ugly game whereas Dallas Washington I think no one knows what's going to happen because you've got the on, on paper the most explosive offence in the league and you've got a guy like Micah Parsons and um, and you've got Diggs on the def- on defensive side. And then you've got Taylor Heineke, who I would pay to watch because he's brilliant. You don't know what you're going to do. He's going to throw an interception or he's going to you know, chuck something to Terry McLaurin and, or, or he's going to run for a ridiculous third and 15 and, and make the first down. He is, and we talk about Fitzpatrick, we talk about Gardner Minshew. I think Heineke's in the same boat and because they are clearly buying into him and they're playing better defense, even though Chase Young is no longer fit and available, which I don't understand at all, they are they are seriously dangerous now. And I think if you're Dallas, the way that you pump yourselves up every year, Dallas, to say this is the greatest team since sliced bread, I, I can see this being an absolute nightmare for Dallas in the next two or three weeks. Because if they lose that one, then Washington are breathing down their necks. I, I don't think they will. I think Dallas will blow them out. I think this is the game where Dallas have They've got to get it right. Have to stand out and get it right. The Ravens Browns is not I, I don't think it's going to be a good game because there's two ways that game goes. If the Ravens win that game, it's going to be 17-14. Both teams running the ball for marginal yards the whole game. Or the Browns are going to win by throwing the ball to 
the butter defensive backfield that the Ravens have now, and they're going to put up 30 points, and I'm going to hate every second of it. So <laughs> I'm not going to enjoy watching it. <laughs> Hopefully a tie. <laughs> <laughs> and what game let, are you let, let's, Sorry. Sorry, let's put Gordon's name to the top for our WhatsApp list on Sunday, just to make sure we keep <laughs> just keep in touch with them. Just to talk about the Washington, I, I'm actually with, with Gordon. I think Dallas will win it. Um, tight end Logan Thomas has gone on injured reserve again. I think that's a big loss for Washington. So, yeah, I, I think Dallas will have too much for them. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting. Johnny, what are you looking for? Obviously, you're looking forward to Thursday Night Football, but that once that's out of the way, what, you, what game are you sitting down to watch at the weekend? Will you watch the Browns-Ravens and see what's going on there? Or would you rather go and see something entertaining? Yes, yes. Um, I'm looking forward to the Bills against the Bucks never got a mention I think that'll be a, a tough game two good sides going, going at it I, I think the afternoon slate is really good because you've got I think both 49ers Bengals in that game are good and hopefully the Chargers put up some points against the, the Giants I think the afternoon slate could be pretty entertaining for some decent points going up yeah, 49ers hopefully beat the, the Bengals I, I will sign that. up to that <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Um, yes, that would be lovely because uh, it noises up Charles as well. I like to, you know, San Francisco having any sort of success also sticks in his cross. So we that was going really well till last week, wasn't it? <laughs> Charles, the same guy who this season has cheered on the Vikings and the Bears against the Ravens, though. So he's not, you know, his allegiance actually normally leans cheering on whoever. It's just a flip flop. No, I'm just keen to just entertain on a Tuesday and Wednesday evening when we record this, just to <laughs> put fun at you two. <laughs> Great, or Paul for that matter, but Paul brings it on himself, unfortunately. So, <laughs> you, you haven't mentioned the, uh, the Seahawks fake punt, Charles. I thought you were going to bring that up. Yeah. Oh no, I, no. Cameron brought that up. Cameron's got into the habit of trying to diffuse it right at the top of the podcast. He, he, tr- he tries to diffuse it at the top of every podcast by dealing with the San Francisco 49ers' latest uh, ineptitude, <laughs> and then saying, "All right, no one wants to speak about this. Let's move it on. So let's uh, let's see what happens next week." <laughs> that's it if you feedback on yourself people don't need to do the same um give a quick update as well on some things the bonnie sauce company nfl scotland podcast pick king or queen 2021 there is some daylight at the top here uh things getting interesting as we're getting to the business end of the season to use that old cliche but dumfries demons have been in the conversation all the way through setting out at top with 130 picks correct thus far jerry bowlers one behind 129 Interestingly, both have got 63 wrongs. So that means Jerry Bowlers have forgotten to make a pick. you got to make them all. you got to make them all. It's not too late, though. If you've missed a few, keep going. Um, but Jerry Bowlers, of course, were the sec- was the second ever pick king of Scotland. So he's trying to re- win his crown back. In third place with 126 right is Dave Pearson, 1874. Then we've got three players tied in fourth. We've got Chris Bolt up, Wolf plays, and Mark Bavaro's disco pants. Then in tied seventh with 123, we've got Jake Funk's soul brother, the Reverend Kirk, PNB Spain, Bruins of Midlothian, Skull, and Fields of Dreams. A uh, bunch of people underneath that on um, a smaller amount. Just having a look. Um, yeah, there's only one person from the NFL Scotland podcast team on the first page. I will not mention who because they're not in the top 10. And we agreed that that is not worthy of being mentioned um any other news items that anybody wants to discuss before we wrap up this episode uh, i think we're going to talk about the pick six and you know it's not easy to to get all six games wrong uh, as gordon you know proved this early in the season but didn't a certain leader managed to lose all six games on the pick six this week absolutely jamie borthwick went to the top of the pile and celebrated with an 0-6 week performance. Impressive stuff all the way around. He's not here to defend himself, and he's Paul's not. not mentioned the pick six once all season, so um, I find this suspicious that he's decided <laughs> to we know bring it up now. As well. he's, sitting, he's sitting scribbling notes to get ready to sort of... Like, uh, uh, no, no, I, I've, got, I've got two notes there, but I think, am I top now? Was I the only one to go for the Patriots? Uh, no, I hey, did ho. as well. I did as well. 
I think there was only there was only one game this week where only one of us got it right, and I think that was me. Yes, I think that I think might, it was, be. might be no, the only game I got right. I think you'll find I was the only one that went for the Seahawks because I self-deprecate. <laughs> so uh, you know, that in itself, that in itself, the fact that Gordon and Cameron don't even remotely back their own teams is yeah. sickeningly pathetic. At least oh, Jamie picked the Giants. At least Jamie correct. picked the Giants. Correct. Come, comes in a week. Comes in a week when Charles is going to get to pick between the Bears and the Packers as if it's going to be a difficult that, yeah, that won't be yeah, on the yeah. spread I, I don't get a chance to pick that one <laughs> anyhow I think that honourable mention for David Ajabo in Michigan yes I was uh, just going to say for, for winning the championship I was going to bring it up because this is a talking point right David Ajabo what a season he has had uh, I mean what a season Michigan have had uh, we need to cover this off right at the start of the season I think there was a 2% chance of them winning the championship the Big Ten East even, and a 0% chance of them making the, the college football playoffs. They are the first team ever to be unseeded at the start of the season, unranked or whatever it is, to then go on and make it into the postseason. Obviously, there's a lot of great stuff going on in Michigan. Fair play to them. But David Ojabo's name is... It's amazing. Genuinely, it's amazing. Week one... His name came up a couple of times. You know, I make a point of searching and seeing what the conversation is. Week one, a couple of comments about, oh, but great play from a jabble. A couple of people commenting on things he was maybe not quite on this, not quite on that. See, by week two, it was nothing but superlatives. It's, and it's been that way all the way through. A tremendous rocket to fame. And it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant to see. It genuinely, genuinely is. I contemplated putting him in for a Belter award, but, you know, we've stuck to the NFL at the moment, and, and I'm saving it because I hope he's going to get it when they, they go through the semifinals. Now, obviously, Michigan progress and play Georgia on Christmas Eve, 31st of December. For us, it's like, I'm sure it's about three in the morning it starts as well. So once you've had your whiskey, you've sang your old Lang Syne, it'll be about three o'clock in the morning on the 1st of January. You can sit up and watch David Ojabo in Michigan uh, beat did you Georgia. Say, did you say Christmas? Eve. New Year's Eve. Christmas New Year's Eve. Eve. New Christmas Year's Eve. Eve is not the 31st of December. No. I'm, I'm fairly certain. Did I say about Christmas that, Eve? You know? New Year's Eve. You New did. Year's Eve. Sorry. Sorry. It was, it was funny, I'm though. Pre- I'm pretty sure it's half past 12, by the way, not three in the morning. Well, half past 12. But, it's after but the apart from getting the day wrong and the time wrong, <laughs> I think you nailed it. That's brilliant. I, I no, no, no. Can you, someone check they're playing Georgia because I might have screwed that up. Right, okay, <laughs> oh, man. But, oh, man. Anyway. The other thing for college football, if you watch the Baylor OSU game, uh, you know, OSU fourth and fourth and goal to win, and four times Baylor stopped them. It was brilliant football, including the one at the, the very end where the running back's trying to run to get in, and the defensive back is tanking his way across. I reckon he finished about two inches short of the pile, and that was brilliant football as well. Yes, it was indeed. But listen, the David the Jabble story, we will cover it more. Um, yeah. We've touched on it here, but we will talk about it more. I, um, I think we'll talk about him a lot more in the lead up to the draft as well, because I yeah. think he's probably going to be a first round pick now. So yeah. that's gonna be- can, I, can I also say that David was used as my topic on Thought for the Day on Radio Scotland last week, just his general story and the way that he's gone about things. So um, I think we're going to we're going to need to see more of him in the Scottish media as well. Ah, oh, absolutely. Um, it was great to see as well a lovely story. His parents getting over to the game against Ohio State was the first game that they managed to get to to see him play college football because of the COVID situation. They'd never seen him play, so the first game they went to was that game against Ohio State, which I think was it two times in twenty years they've beaten them. Uh, something yep. mad like that, uh, and they were able to change their flights so that they were able to stay for the Iowa championship game and go out to in Indianapolis and see that as well. So absolutely brilliant for David's parents to be over there, and I mean, how special for David to have them there. Um, you know, it, it, I think the highest uh, a Scottish player has ever gone in the draft, uh, and I, I went and had a look at this. Uh, I think it's and is it Andrew Patterson. Um. That played for the Panthers. Um, unfortunately, he got injured, but um, went and had a look. Um, he went 171st overall, so in the fifth round. Uh, I mean, David's definitely going to beat that, right? Yeah. 
I mean, he's obviously not said that he's going to definitely go into the draft. He but he'd be mad. Not, he would be mad not to. Because this is he's got so a strike with Aaron Hall. His stock is so high. And, and as well, it's one of those ones where... And this isn't anything to do with him, but his stock's high because of his own capability. He's also playing in an utterly dominant defense that's about to lose another one of their big pieces. So you you potentially run there, and we'll talk about this more, but you do potentially run the risk, and this is the way off he's got to take. He is learning the game still. Does he develop more and put himself in a better position by staying and playing college for another year? Or, or does he risk the fact that Hutchison's away and they may not be able to be as dominant because they can mark him if the guy playing opposite him is not quite as effective and therefore his stock maybe swabbles slightly. So it's a, it's, it's a tough decision that he's going to have to make. But do you know what? I think the one thing, Paul, from speaking to him all the way through is he's genuinely down to earth. He's very humble. He's massively hungry. And he's developed so much intellectually as well as physically as a football player. I think he'll get good advice from his coaching team. I think they'll know what's best for him. You know, they've been there, seen it, done it. Harbour's obviously got great NFL experience as well. I, I personally think he goes in the draft. I think it's always a risk to delay it by a year. Uh, I mean, he's potentially being talked about in rounds one or two. Uh, I, I just don't think you can stay in college just for that extra year at that position when anything can happen to you. Um, you know, you've re- you've done, I think, all you can do in college football. But I think you'll you'll you won't rush into a decision. And the other thing, Cameron, is I don't think genuinely that the decision will be made solely for money. I think there'll be an all-round package to think about what's best for him. But I think he'll go. Yes, indeed, indeed. Okay, I think that's a full-time whistle then for episode 173. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Please share your thoughts on this in every single episode on social media, at Scotland NFL on Twitter. Search for NFL Scotland on Facebook and reach out to us if you fancy coming on the podcast and noising Gordon up. (laughs) Thanks to everybody for joining us. Thanks to Charles. Thanks to Johnny. Thanks to Gordon. Thanks to Gordon for pointing out that I was taking notes. It was actually... Pencil drawing of Lamar Jackson, which I'll sign and send to you for your Christmas. <laughs> Hope everybody's enjoyed the podcast. Some great games coming up at the weekend and also the Saints play the Jets. We'll talk about all of them on next week's podcast. For Cameron, for Gordon, for Johnny, for Charles and myself, thanks for listening. Bye for now.